Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast, as always, is part of the Odyssey family. You can check us out on the Odyssey app, as well as all the usual places where you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel, grow the channel that way. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, all of that stuff. Obviously, right now, there's just not much going on with the Blazers. The biggest news of the week is that they signed Moses Brown to a partially guaranteed deal to be, I guess, at this point, the backup center. And so with that being the case, with there not being that much to talk about, I brought back on Eric Gunderson, who you know and love if you're a regular listener. He's on the show probably as often as anybody. And we kind of started by talking about Moses Brown, but then we just went in all sorts of different directions. We talked about, you know... The idea of Portland finally having a G League team. We got into a little bit of the ownership stuff. We talked a little bit about kind of the state of the organization back in like 2010 or 2011. You know, the last time it was in this type of flux. Uh, and we, we just kind of went in all sorts of different directions. So it's pretty loose this week. There's not, again, there's not a whole lot going on news-wise. So there's not really a lot to hit as far as other stuff. But that's just kind of what we did today. So let's just get into that right now. So, Eric, we're going to do a deep, deep, deep dive into Moses Brown today. Because it's late August, and that's the, that's, there's actual Blazers news on this. There's not news on anything else. There's not news on, you know, the main thing. There's not, the guys are kind of still on vacation. The league's on vacation. The Blazers made a couple of signings this week. They signed uh, Ashton Hagens, a point guard formerly of Kentucky, who spent a couple years in the G League to an Exhibit 10 contract, which mostly means that he's probably going to end up being on their G League team. And then they brought back one of the all-time Blazers legends of the last five years, Moses Brown, the former center. They had him on a two-way in the 2019-20 season. He's been around the league since then. He played in uh, Oklahoma City for a little bit, Dallas at one point. He was with the Clippers last year. And now he's back, and now there is one person besides Yusuf Nurkic who is taller than six foot ten on the roster so it's a big day yeah yeah he's seven foot one and uh he's probably most well known around the internet for the clip when he had his head down and I'm blanking on the name of his point guard picked him up like put his chin up to have him like you know to not be discouraged um and hey he's he's still in the NBA and he, he he's back with the Blazers and look if you want like if you want to look at it in the most positive way, he's seven feet tall, like you said. And mm-hmm. last year for the Clippers was like his first season being a positive impact player in terms of on court plus minus. So if you want to, and also the Clippers, you know, there's a lot of uh, similarities there, you know, at least you'd think between like the way that Ty Lue plays and the way that Chauncey Billups wants the Blazers to play. So there can be some continuity there and probably some conversations that were had about Moses Brown and what he brought to the table for the, the Clippers last season. So um, 
he definitely improved. I mean, the 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 Clippers opponents or the Clippers had a better point differential when he was on the court. So that's positive player teams shot fewer attempts at the rim when he was on the floor. Uh, so that's good. I mean, obviously he still got the show, you know, he, he was still a backup only played 231 minutes. So, but maybe and I guess the only, the good thing that you can say about this too, is that he's only 23 mm-hmm. still. And so there's room for him to grow hopefully. And so it looks like they try to take like more of like an upside play on the backup center situation. Whereas last year for the backup center situation, they went with Drew Eubanks, who you knew what you were going to get out of him pretty much every single night. And who's six foot nine. And who's six foot nine, but really like six, seven. I mean, like, it's a, he was, he was, he was one of the all-stars of the, line that Joe and Chauncey liked to push last year about guys playing bigger than their size, which is how they sold the Gary Payton thing. That's how they sold like trended Watford being a backup center, like Josh Hart being the starting three. Like they, they love to talk about guys play bigger. Now it's like, okay, Moses Brown, like they've actually got a guy who is center sized as their backup center. And you said like, they're making an upside move with the backup center spot. How about just, they made a move with the backup center spot. Like their first choice, we, we've known this all summer. They, they really wanted to bring Eddie Tavares over from Spain. It seems I haven't heard that that's completely dead, but it sure seems like because of how complicated the buyout stuff is, which I've written about before, uh, that's probably not in the cards for this summer. So you literally have to do something just to have a body because Yusuf Nurkic, even if he was 100% healthy and played all 82 games, which I don't think is likely given his track record, is not going to be able to play 48 minutes. So you just have to have somebody that you can put out there and be center-sized and be able to protect the rim. And this is, I guess, somebody that, you know, is familiar with the organization and with, you know... Were any Was anybody from this team besides Dame on the team? I think Ant and Nas and Nurk, I guess. But yeah. Nurk didn't play for, Mo- for that whole year that Moses Brown was there. So... I mean, I guess it's sort of a new thing. I, I it's again, it is this is kind of new. Like, it's, it's late. It's, it's late same, August. This is what we have yeah, to talk about. Yeah, it's the same organization, but it's so different from when he was here right. last. Neil's so, gone. Terry's gone. Yeah, it's a completely different system. You know, the he Chauncey likes to have the big show more than than Terry did. So 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 he's a little bit more mobile instead of you know being like that kind of drop coverage center that terry liked to utilize a lot um and and so maybe that that's another angle with it is like they want someone who can kind of go out and and be a little bit more rangy um but we're just gonna have to see it and obviously you know he's he's as experienced as he is um and and you'd like for them to have another big but we'll see i mean uh or just don't they need one more player to have uh like a, a training camp full roster they need one more player under a contract on opening night. They have 13. If if you're not counting okay. Exhibit 10, guys, I suppose they could because they have a few. So uh, Malachi Smith from Gonzaga and uh, Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy and uh, Ashton Hagen, so they just signed this week. Those three are all guards, and they are all on Exhibit 10 deals, which for people who don't know what an Exhibit 10 deal is is basically uh, – it's a non-guaranteed training camp invite, but if you get waived, the team that had you 
keeps your rights for their G League team or can convert them to, into a two-way if they want to. So basically, these are three guys that are probably going to be with them at camp and then be on the Rip City remix. So I suppose if they wanted to, they could just, just to have the 14th body keep one of those guys on the roster on opening night and the contract still doesn't become guaranteed until January 10th or whatever day it is that contracts become guaranteed. And I think that's the other thing with the Moses Brown. Like, the Moses Brown deal isn't an Exhibit 10 because since he has more than four years of NBA experience, he can't be converted to a two-way because the limit for two-ways is four years of NBA experience. But it's also a partially guaranteed deal, so they can keep him on the roster for opening night. And then, you know, if a trade happens, let's say, where they have to take back multiple players, they can waive him and it's not going to, like, cost them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. that's kind of the thinking here. I would think that for that 14th spot, if they're going to have 14 under contract at the start of the season, it would make sense to have another center just to have, because again, even if like you, now you have two centers. If one guy's, if one guy's out, then you don't have a backup. Anyway. And it's usually a pretty good bet that Nurk is going to miss time, at least at some point this season. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, you just need that. I mean, you just need to usually you te- technically need to have a third center. Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of how most, I mean, unless you're Oklahoma right now, City, that's Jabari Walker. Who's all again, yeah. six, eight. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're Oklahoma city and you're just like, actually we're post center in Man. Oklahoma city. Like, like who is like their backup center. Yeah, exactly. They don't really have a center in OKC. So it's like, it, it like they're, they're a, a rare case. And now they have Chet who mm-hmm. is seven feet tall. Even if he doesn't like play, I guess, like a center offensively. But, um, yeah, no, I, Moses Brown, at least they signed someone. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess the, so now we wait until opening day for them to make one more signing, it sounds like. Or just um, keep someone from the camp roster. There's probably going to be a few more camp guys before. Well, is it is, is Reef on a 10-day? I don't or, believe. Or is it 10, or is he strictly G League? I don't believe he's signed at all right now. I'm sure i think they like him i think they would like to sign him to like an exhibit 10 or maybe a two-way i think that might be a i I asked about that around summer league i think that might be a situation where they would like to keep him around but if he gets more money from like a team in a you know an international league he might go that way right now he's playing for australia in the FIBA tournament alongside Matisse Thibel. Well, and if he has a good and if he has a good FIBA, he's gonna get signed. Yeah, which you know, not the worst use in the world for the third two way spot because they get three two way spots now in the new CBA. Um... You have a third two way spot. They could sign. They can have eighteen on the team if they want to going into the season with three two ways, and they only have Butler and Baji filled right now. So they could sign another two way deal if they wanted to. Yeah, I, and I guess the other thing that we kind of left out is that. Baji is, I guess, technically their third center, but he's never played an NBA game. Right. And at least with the eye test, watching the games in summer league, to me, it seems like Reef is a little bit more of like a more aware, more like he just understands the game a little bit uh-huh. better and like the flow of things. And I know they played like he's not exactly a, the rim protector that Ibu Baji is, but. I think in terms of like, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy who just knows how to play. And the fact that he's getting experience at on the national team for Australia, which is like 
I mean, they're not a bad national team. They're like the fourth or fifth favorite, you know, to win the World Cup. Like, to me, they got that, guys on that team. They got they NBA have guys. guys. Exactly, they have guys, and it's so. So it's like the fact that he is on the team. He's playing with Matisse. Like, there's just a lot that I like about that. And I know he's older. He's like 26 or something. Uh-huh. So that might be like, but like. I don't know, man. I, 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 if I had my druthers about that third two-way spot, I, I'd look hard at that. But I, you know, they could also look at like maybe having another emergency point guard, like, like if they if they keep Skylar Mays or something like that. Like I could see them doing that too. Um, I haven't heard anything about Skylar Mays this summer. He wasn't on the summer league team, but he was at summer league, wasn't he? I think so. I saw him like he was like sitting courtside, like you know how normally. Uh, the the other guy would be sitting there. Uh-huh. He was kind of like in that spot, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I it, it was weird. It felt like they were keeping him around, or at least he was doing some. You they know, like checking. him, but he I think it's in. yeah. I think it's I think it's kind of a similar situation to Reed, where like they like him, but he might be, you know, if he can get a real deal somewhere and not an exhibit ten, like I don't think they would stand in the way of him doing that. The other guy that's kind of like that, that was, you know, part of the tank squad last year, but then was also on the summer league team is Justin Manaya. Oh, right. Who they also really like. And I think at the worst case scenario for his career this coming season, he'll be on the Blazers G League team if that's what he wants to do. But I think he also, you know, if he has an opportunity to get a real deal somewhere, I don't think they'd stop him. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a lot of things too. Like he could be one of these guys like, I'm blanking on his name right now. The the dude in the G League documentary who's like been offered to go overseas, but he really wants to stick it out. Oh, Gabe York. Gabe York, yeah, the Gabe York thing in the in the in the G League documentary where he's like, yeah, I could get a job in Europe and make, you know, three times what I make or four four or five times what I'm making in the G League, but the potential of getting called up to an NBA roster and playing on NBA court is a lot lower. Because, you know, I mean, even even if you're Eddie Tavares, who's like the MVP of the EuroLeague, like, or wasn't last year, but has been the MVP of the EuroLeague and is like an elite player and an NBA team wants him, he can't even get out of his contract. So someone like Justin Minaya or uh, – uh, I'm blanking on his name again. He just – Gabe York. Someone like Gabe York is not going to be able to get out of his Euro contract to get an NBA deal if that were to happen. You know what I mean? Those European teams are not going to let themselves get screwed over. So – I get why some guys would stay in the G so that they can get that call up. Well, which especially is now part of the calculus for these guys. Yeah, especially now that I think a more not all of them, but now it's like more of the G League teams are either in the city that the team is in or are at least in actual cities because like 10, 12 years ago the G League teams were, like, in the most random locations where it's like, do you really want to be paid $26,000 a year to be, you know, in Grand Rapids, Iowa or whatever and, you know, be, you know, flying commercial and staying at, like, not very nice hotels. Now it's like the Blazers G League team is in Portland. The Detroit Pistons, uh, in that G League documentary, Ryan Terrell, the guy who is trying to be the first Orthodox Jew ever to play in the NBA, he mm-hmm. is on the Pistons G League team, which I believe plays in Detroit, which is a city. It's an actual city. So right. the G League, I think, like, like, like the money has gone up a little bit. So I think the, 
I think the quality of life for these G League players and these G League teams is a little bit higher. Now, it's always really interesting, you know, you're talking about that. I mean, what about, like, somebody like our boy Mike James? Uh, class yeah. of 08, my, my, I went to high school with Mike James. I didn't actually really know him that well, but class of 08, Grant. Uh, he had a couple of 10 days. Like, he played for the Pelicans for a minute. He played for the Suns for a minute. He was on, he was the, Nets on the Nets for He was on the Nets for, like, yeah. a whole season when, yeah. when KD was there. But he's like, I think at some point he did the math and realized if I try to stay in the NBA, I'm going to be a 10-day guy or an end-of-bench guy or a G League guy, whereas I can make a ton of money in Europe and like be a star over there and be like the MVP of the Greek League or whatever. And, and live in places like Monaco and, and, yeah. and, and like, like live, live in the lap of luxury. Like, mm-hmm. like, like he's been playing for the last two seasons in Monaco. Like, come on. Like, 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 like and I, I saw that like, he was looking into maybe playing for Olympiakos or Panathakos, one of those those two teams in Greece. Like, uh-huh. like it's it's not bad living, you it's know not. what I mean? And and and, and it's def- and you're not riding you're not riding the bus. You're not uh, you know like you, the the G League travel. I think is probably a little bit. It's definitely not what European team travel is. And while the European schedule is pretty unforgiving because they've got not only their seasons but they've got all these cup tournaments and whatnot. You're still playing less games than you would be in the NBA, right? And so, like, ultimately, I think it, it works out for them if they go that route. But I totally understand the guys too, like, like the Gabe Yorks that want to just like really want to make it in the NBA and not just as a professional basketball player. Which those are two different right. pursuits. If those guys hang on like three more years, there are going to be so many more opportunities opening up because once Seattle and Vegas are in the mix and there's two more teams, that's just, that creates more jobs. And so now, like, especially with, you know. That's 30, Bla- more, jo- 30 more jobs plus three two-ways. That's 36 jobs. Yeah, plus, like, you know, the Bla- the Blazers now have a G League team. The Suns, I believe, are going to, they're the only other team that didn't have one. I believe this is going to be the last year that they don't have one. So now there's 30 G League teams. Well, actually, no, 32 if you count the Ignite and the one in Mexico City. Uh, oh, so right. right now there's. Right now, there's 31. There's going to be 32 G League teams. Once there's two more NBA teams, I would assume that they're going to each have their own G League team too. So now there's going to be 34 G League teams plus 32 NBA teams. There's just going to be a lot more opportunity for these guys to stay in America if that's what they want to do, and you know play it. And that, that, that's where you get into guys like Moses Brown, who you know to bring this full circle at least for this what we're talking about right now. He was not ready to be in the NBA when. He was on that two-way with the Blazers in 2019. I will never forget that game against Phoenix. Like, this was the one, like, a week before the whole world shut down when COVID first hit in 2020. Uh, It was a game that they lost by six. He played the final 52 seconds of the first half. His only playing time in that game, it was a minus eight, and had, like, two turnovers in, like, that less than a minute at the end of the half. It was really like the definition of like deer in the headlights. Like it was like, like, cause he, like, it just kind of looked that way when he, there was, was this first. one game Nolan Smith had that one that remember the Nolan Smith year that was like, there was a, do you know the game I'm talking about? Yeah, dude. He was like a minus 17 in like four minutes or something, something like, like that. that. And, it yeah. was, and it was like, like I texted you. I was like, dude, Nolan SMH. I, this is, wow. This is like, we're going, we're going back to the. Yeah, dude. I mean, shout out to him. Like, I'm glad he's got a career as a coach and he's doing well. Yeah. Um, 
he's an assistant at Louisville now and he's doing great. But uh the most it, inexplicable it was not, Blazers. It was not it was not it was not in the cards for him to be in the NBA and he probably the, should not have been drafted. The most inexplicable Blazers draft pick of my lifetime. <laughs> More so than because, like, okay, like the Odin Durant thing. Obviously, like in retrospect, that maybe they maybe they could have gone the other way. But at least, like, you understood what the thinking was there at the time. At the time, at the 2011 draft, they needed a backup four who could rebound, and Kenneth, and Fareed Kenneth was right Fareed, there. Every, every, literally, <laughs> literally every like. I don't think I've, I could ever remember. We were in college when this happened, and like every single like we had like all different like Blazer fans that we texted. Like every every single this is not even like a hindsight thing. Everybody that we knew like in our circles was at the time like we didn't we all didn't think Kenneth Reed was gonna be there at twenty one or whatever their pick was, and he was there. And <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, oh, let's get because at the time Kenneth Reed was like the greatest rebounder in like. It was before college basketball history. Yeah, it was like it was before Oscar, you know, broke all his records. But it's Uh like, uh, it was just like so clear, and it was just like one of those moments where you're like, oh yeah, this team is a basketball team, but it's also not a basketball team. It's also like people doing favors for people and making picks so that you know, like that's what that felt like to me. And it was that like, was like coach K called in a favor to get that draft pick to that's, that's what that's, that's what the third eye theory is. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, Oh damn, we just got leveraged by coach K. That was also very, the year where very, they didn't very, very cool organization. We have here. Which <laughs> that was like, also the that, year that, that hasn't they... ended. That hasn't ended. That was, that was also the Paul was alive. That was when Paul was alive, but that was also the year that, uh, that was the year. Cause like, Earlier that offseason was when they fired Rich Cho after, like, less than a year on the job. And that was, like, the year between when they fired Rich Cho and, like, because they brought Neil in, like, the next summer. So that was the year when, like, Chad Buchanan and, uh, and, uh, who, who was the other, uh, it was, like, Chad, Buch- Chad Buchanan was, like, I don't think he was, like, officially the GM, I mean, but, like. I mean, I mean, I mean, JC was, was involved at some level. He was in there. Yeah, he was uh, in there, but like I don't, I don't, they didn't he, have a he GM. Didn't have any, he didn't have any power. He didn't have. He wasn't like the GM, but I think no. he was probably in the mix around. Oh, then. he was in the mix because he's been there since 2006. But like, it was one of those situations where like for Bill the Branch, whole year, Bill, Bill Branch, I believe, Bill was Branch, I think, was in the mix. Yeah. yeah, like the whole the organ. They did not have a general manager for like a full year between. The, and maybe part of it was because, right, they fired Rich Cho and then the lockout happened, so they didn't want to, like, hire a GM during the lockout. But, like, that happened in, like, the fall of, or, like, the spring of 2011 because Rich Cho was only the GM for one year, and the only real, like, move that he made was the Gerald Wallace trade, the, the one to get him from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the next year when they didn't have a GM, that was, like, the Raymond Felton, Jamal Crawford year, the lockout year when they did the tear down at the deadline where you know they traded like gerald wallace marcus camby got the pick that became dame and like the hashim thabit era the johnny flynn era like that whole time the caleb canales interim head coach era yeah uh, damn yeah and then and then caleb interviewed for the job and then stayed on terry's staff terry kept him on the staff he just got a job it's like either the head coach or like one of the assistant coaches with the mavericks g league team now oh tight i thought yeah. very tight yeah we love Caleb. He was the Caleb's the, the best. He, he was the coach for the world team at the uh, at the Nike Hoop Summit. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I saw him doing his thing, changing defenses every possession, like into it. Like the dude is the dude. The dude is a grinder. Like, like yeah, all 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 time hard worker dude uh, is, is Caleb, and he's earned everything he's gotten in the league. And uh, 
but yeah, no, that, that was the last time. I mean, it was a, I mean, honestly, the when, when you talk about like the state of flux that they were in, I know that like technically they've gotten out of that, but it, part of the current state of the Blazers feels akin to that like post Rich Cho, Chad Buchanan's actually running the show. There's an interim GM, except Joe. Except in this Joe case, has Joe, the job. It, it's, it's not an interim yet. situation, and right. he's but, and but he the has the, he has the job enough that he's actually he made he has made hires. He hired yes. Andre Patterson. He hired Mike Schmitz. He hired Sergey Oliva. He hired like Asia Jones and Cherie Sam. Like he he has made all the front office hires. He is the one that is in charge. That is, it's it's a so it's a little bit less of a state of flux, but you know, given just a lot of things being up in the air right now. It does, it does feel, I think, I think the bigger thing is just the ownership stuff. We just don't know how that's all going to land. Yeah, no, that, that, that's totally true. And I think there were probably questions about like, I mean, there's still the questions about it. And I don't think we're ever going to like, like, I just think it's like a little bit like the Dame thing. We're waiting for a resolution, but sometimes it's like, life doesn't work like that. Sometimes life makes you wait and you, you know, it's, Everyone has to wait in line for something, and this is and and this is this is what we're all in, and it, it feels like that right now. So, uh, the Lee would like for the team to be owned by somebody else or somebody more permanent, and they would like that person to be Phil Knight. Doesn't seem like that's really close. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, and I don't know how, like, even like a like a Phoenix type scenario even comes to pass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you end up getting the public pressure enough to get them to sell. Cause it seems like they're kind of immune to like all that stuff. Cause the attempts have been made. I mean, yeah, there have been stories written in certain newspapers that are owned by certain people that have tried to, you know, make that into a thing. It hasn't really worked. And if anything, it's kind of pushed it the other way where like, and I don't know any of this firsthand because I don't know Jody Allen at all. I don't know Burke Cold that well. I've said hi to him a couple. Jody, times. come on the pod challenge. She could do. You know, I, jo- I jo- Jody and Burke come on the Rose Garden Report challenge. In all seriousness, I have made it known to people in the organization that it should be made known to that I would love to do an interview with Jody Allen if she ever wanted to talk on the record. I will drive up to Seattle anytime to meet up with her, but she. I don't know. They just, I guess she just doesn't really want to be out there. So I don't, you know, what what can you, what do you do? I mean, Paul barely wanted to be out there. Like Paul would do one media availability, maybe a year when he would come down to training camp and he'd talk. And I remember one year I asked him if he was willing to pay the luxury tax. uh, And he like, kind of was like a little taken up. Like, I think he was like, uh, he was like, what is this actual question? Yeah. He's like, what? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, if, well, if, you know, if that happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, man, so many memories th- of like the 2010s Blazers right now. I think that the, uh, the stuff with like, you know, a Phoenix situation or, you know, going back a little bit further, you know, the, the Sterling stuff with the Clippers that all I think came about because everybody hated both of those owners anyway, like around, not just in the organization, but around the league. And they had all been kind of looking for an excuse to get them out forever. I don't think that that's really the case with the current Blazers ownership situation as much as like, yes, I think some fans would like for the ownership situation to be different. It's not like, you know, there's not, there's not like a documented history of like, 
you know, mistreating players, mistreating out players, on, like out on doing things. I mean, that's the thing about like you, people can say like, you know, they haven't paid the luxury tax in however many years, like they're, they're paying for the G league team. They're paying for these arena renovations. Like this is and not look, a, yeah. I'll give Neil some credit that he definitely like built out the practice facility to give them more amenities and improve the locker room and things like uh-huh. that to kind of improve the, the state of the, the franchise you know, on the, in, in with, between the walls of trailblazers incorporated and they're in a better spot than they used to be They're mo- and, and I think I will say this too, not even just Neil, I think they're back of the house staff. Like the business those, side. I think, I think, I think on, well, on the, on the basketball side, I'm talking about like, I think they do a really exceptional job of taking care of players, taking player, taking care, like arranging for th- like things for their children, like making families, sure that their all that kind families of stuff, yeah. are all right. Like, like they do a really good job with those things. And I think, I think a lot of credit just goes to the people that work in like the back of the house basketball operations yeah. that work at the practice facility that work with the players. Cause I think those are the people that are like the humans that actually are executing these things. And I think in general, I don't think I've usually ever heard any bad things about those things and usually only great things uh, when players talk about those things. And Obviously, that that stuff is very far removed from the owner, but like I do think those people are good at their jobs. That's not and, true of every organization, right? Is and, the and, thing. Yeah, that's that, that. No, you're one hundred percent true. And so, like, and you hear that. So, um, yeah, that's what makes this situation a little bit different. You're absolutely right than the Sarver and uh, Sterling situations, whereas like you don't hear about players getting treated poorly by the by the people that they're managed by. And I mean, I, I like I, I think this part of this is also, and I've said this before, I've written this before. I don't think Jody or Bert really do themselves any favors by not being out there at all. Like, I'm not saying they have to. Like, I think Mark Cuban, for example, is out there a little bit too much and does too many interviews to the point where, like, it might be a detriment to the organization that he's out there as much as he is because he will say stuff and then it'll like come back to people or whatever. But, you know, I've had people in the organization tell me, like, Jody, you know, people would really like Jody if they just got to know her. And it's like, okay, well, maybe do whose something. Fault up, that, whose fault is do that? Do something. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been covering the whole the team for the entire time that Jody Allen's been in charge. I have never met her. Like, I've met Bert Cold a couple of times. Like, I know him enough to, like, say hi to him. I've never had, like, a real conversation with him. But... Like, I know him at least in passing. Like, if he saw me, he would know my name and, like, we could, like, say hi and stuff. Like, what's up, BK? How are you doing? That's exactly (laughs) what I would say, yes. But I have never met Jody Allen. I have never spoken to Jody Allen. She's at games. And what I will will actually give her that. She was at games, like, throughout, like, the last two seasons when they were tanking. Like, it could have been been very easy if, if she was as disengaged as people say she is or that, you know, fans think she is, for her to be like, oh, well, they're tanking. They shut everybody down for the season. I'm just going to stay in Seattle and chill. I'm not going to come to games. She comes to games. She comes to pretty much, you know, I don't want to say every single game, but the majority of them down the stretch the last two seasons. Yeah, look, and, and, and uh, yeah, she, there's, we don't know enough about Jody Allen's ownership to really, like, say that much, but she has spent money in places where the team has needed to spend money to build out their front office because Joe told her like, Hey, 
we need these things. We need more people. We need because this is like we need a G League team. That that's not going to be a money maker, but it's something that's important for player development. So can yeah. we do that? They're well, doing. I think. I think. A, and I will say, maybe in somewhere like Portland, though, it could. Like, I mean, this is a town that supports multiple minor league baseball teams. Like, I, I, I think that I think that the support for the remix is gonna be probably bigger than expected. I have heard that they've sold more season tickets than they expected to. So. See, I, I think people, and also it's 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 cheaper, man. Like it's like not to say that Blazer games were really expensive to go to by the end of the season last year because they weren't, but it's something that you can go to. You can count on it for cheap entertainment. Most kids' nights. tickets are five bucks. Kids' tickets are five bucks. It's also like in a neighbor. It's like U of P is like in St. John's. Like people that live around there can just go there without having to go all the way to the Moda Center. Like or driving I, I, out to like Beaverton or Lake Oswego or somewhere else, they could put it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and so I think it's cool. Uh, I I think it's going to be really exciting, and I think it's it's great too because like, I mean, as as, as a guy who loves to watch even like the Euro League, like it would or would get like frustrated about like oh when someone gets sent down to the G League, like you can't even see them play. Like the fact that guys are going to get sent down to the G League and fans are going to be like seeing them and like. Like, let's say Ryan Rupert all of a sudden just starts putting it together in the G League. And you're like, everyone's like, whoa, you got to. And then it's like, it's like you could see him put it together and then he can get called up. And like, that's part of a cool, that's, that's part of one of the reasons why people love basketball is like discovering a player, seeing, or even someone who I'm not naming, like discovering a player, seeing a player, seeing them move up through the ranks. Like, and, and, and I think that's just like an added experience. And, and obviously really successful teams like, uh, you know, use the G League as, as, as a, you know, the Raptors are one that, you know, a lot of people give credit for. Oklahoma City, San Oklahoma Antonio. Oklahoma City, uh, the Heat uh, yeah. with, with the Sioux Falls uh, Siberia team. like Houston that, under Daryl Morey, that, he was like one of the first big adopters of it. Yeah, exactly. With the, uh, the Rio Grande uh the vipers the vipers and it was it was just one of those things like back then like i never understood why and like up until recently like other teams also didn't have one but even back then i was always like if the spurs and the rockets and the thunder are all doing something focused on player development every other team should probably be also trying to do that like you're not you're not gaining anything and i actually remember this is like a year ago or something i wrote you know, you know what it was when I was at when I was down at the G League showcase in Vegas, which I don't think I'm going to be able to go to this year because they're moving it to Orlando, and I'm just not going to be able to probably swing it this year. That's just a, it's also just far. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. But like, I went down there last year, and one of the stories I wrote from there was like about you know when was Portland going to get a G League team? And as part of like doing research for that, I went back and listened to one of Neil's like media day press conferences from like 2018 or 2019 for or something like that. I asked him about it, and he said something like, I don't think we're at a competitive disadvantage by not having a G League team. It's like, okay, cool, sure. No, what I th- what I personally think, this is my view on it in hindsight, because obviously it seems a little bit clearer. Given what we've seen from Joe building out the front office and given what we knew about Neil, who I think was really keen on showing his bosses how much money he was able to save them, uh-huh. I think not having a G team was something that he wanted to do to show his te- to show his bosses that he could develop players and develop talent without having the expenditure of a G League team. And I think I think that was probably his thought process. 
I think there's probably something to that. And I think there's also something to the idea that, because the one time they did try to have a G League affiliate before was uh, at the Idaho Stampede. And that's just too far away to have, like, they, they didn't really get much use out of it. But, like, Boise from Portland is, like, eight hours by drive. Like, you, you, you can drive there or have a bus go there in one day, but it's, like, a, an all-day, like, thing, and it's a huge hassle. Or you can fly somebody, which, like, that's also a whole thing. Like, the... Yeah, the, you have to uh, get them from Hillsboro to PDX, or from right. Walton to PDX, and it's, like, you gotta deal with Portland traffic. And it's yeah. just, like, it, it, all, it all seems like a mess. Whereas, like, the the the, the uh, Rip City Remix are playing at Childs, that's, like, 15 miles from the practice facility in Tualatin. So, like, you could have, like, Ryan Rupert, who you mentioned, or Baji, or, like, let's say they do sign Wap Reith to uh, the third two-way. They could practice with the Blazers at the PF at the day and then go play in a G League game at night. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of G League games, too, like, there's... A lot of opportunity too. Like I remember, I think Jaden Springer, like for the Sixers, like he played in a G League game one night or in the like in the afternoon. Oh, did the two in one day? I did the two in one day, and then went <laughs> to this and went to the Wells Fargo Center to play a game for the Sixers later at night. And I think you know, especially if there's injuries and stuff like that, like that could happen. There's just a lot more flexibility of stuff that you can do when your team is in town. Uh, yeah, the, the Idaho Stampede thing sounds like something the NBA thought was a good idea from Secaucus, and they're like, oh, yeah, Idaho's close to Oregon. Well, I think they also thought that, like, they would be able to expand their footprint by putting teams in more markets without realizing, like, how much of an inconvenience it is for the NBA team to have to send guys that far away to have them play. I'll tell you this, I am going to be—they haven't put out the schedule yet for the Rip City Remix— I am going to be there as often as I can because I'm probably not going to be going to too many road games this year just for, you know, budget reasons and financial reasons. But if there's like a Blazers road trip and there's a bunch of G League home games on that road trip, that's going to be something for me to do. Like, I'm just, I love that they have a G League team just because it gives me something to do while they're out of town. Well, and frankly, like, I mean, that G League documentary that Bill Simmons did kind of like... There's just there's a lot happening in the G League. Like, there there's is. just a lot of really interesting stories, guys, you know, really doing it for the love of the game. Um, in and a way. dudes that you remember, like if you want to talk about like a prime opportunity to remember some guys. I went to the G League showcase last year in Vegas, and like there were like ten guys, like Blazer legends. I'm talking like like C.J. Ellaby was there, Shabazz Napier, former. Wow, spokesperson for Stumptown Coffee, I think, or one of those. Like he was, he was there. Shabazz is the man. Yeah, he had his like whole theme song and everything. Jingle and everything. Right, like like a lot of those. Like I, I think like Didi Luzado was there last year, but it was like it was like it was like ten guys. I'm gonna actually pull up the list of like Luzado is one of those misses. That that's a draft miss for me. I really like. You thought he was gonna be? I thought he was gonna be the truth. I was like, dude, Didi Luzado, dude, that's gonna be a guy, and he wasn't. He played at the. at the uh, the the America Cup for the Brazilian national team. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, okay, I'm trying to find this uh, this list of. Okay, Elijah Hughes was in the mix. Uh, yeah, it's like a bunch. It's like a bunch of those types of dudes, like got like guys who like got like 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 the kinds of guys the Blazers were like pulling off the street the last two years to tank, like. 
they're just they're doing their thing in the G League. Like Chris Dunn was down there before he kind of caught on with Utah. He was playing out there. Uh, there are guys that you've like, and like one of the one of the ones that really like caught my eye in the G League documentary, which is on Amazon Prime, and I I most I saw somebody tweet this this morning. Most sports documentaries post Last Dance haven't been very good. This G League documentary is good and it's worth watching, and I would recommend watching it. But one guy that was in that documentary that I covered for two years in Chicago was Denzel Valentine, who's a former lottery pick, and he just you know wasn't as good as people thought he was going to be. Oh, so he, he was really, the next. He was the next Draymond Green. I because he played at Michigan State and the, and was like a tweener. I guy. mean, I re- I remember that. I remember that very well. I was I was on the Bulls beat when when that draft happened. That 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 front office was very high on Denzel. That that front office is not there anymore. But, uh, like, guys like that, like, there, there, there are so, like, you look at G League rosters, and I'm very interested to see what the Rip City Remix roster looks like. Because right now, there is no, they don't have any players signed to the Rip City Remix roster. Like, they, like right now, their they roster They just have is, a draft, right? They, have, they like, just they have, have guys' rights. Well, they have, like, guys' rights, but, like, like Kyle Guy, for example, is probably the most high-profile, you know, name that was on that list. He's signed in, like... Monaco, like Monaco, he's not, he's signed in like one of those overseas leagues. I think he's in like Greece or something. But it's like it's it's like a situation where like just because like they got their rights in the expansion draft doesn't mean that guy is going to be on the team. It means if he decided to come back over to the G League, they would have like the right of first refusal to have him on their G League team. It's like that type of deal. It's right. it's like the equivalent of like you know you have the draft rights to some Euro that's probably never going to come over. It's like that. It's like that type of deal. Right now, it's like you know that Baji and John Butler are going to be probably playing a lot on the G League team because they're on two-way contract, which is what that exists for. There's a pretty good idea that the three guys that are on Exhibit 10s right now, Ashton Hagens, Antoine Davis, and Malachi Smith, are probably going to end up being on the G League roster because that's, like, the point of an Exhibit 10 contract is to fill out the G League roster and, like, give guys a pathway there. Other than that, like... They're going to have to, they're doing these, I'm actually really interested, they're, I've never covered one of these before, I'm probably going to go cover this, and by the way, I'm just throwing this out there, on the off chance that somebody listening to this is planning on going to the Re- Rip City Remix open tryouts, and paying the $300 a tryout, and is actually serious about it, like, I'm not talking about, like, if you're doing it as, like, a joke, or, like, a bid, or, like, as a publicity stunt, or whatever, like, I'm not talking about that, if you're, like, actually, you know, because, you, you know, a lot of, like, times, you know, when I, when, again, when I was on the Bulls beat, the, uh, it was the first year they had their G League team in Hoffman Estates, and there was this guy, Alfonso McKinney, who was, like, from the area, played at, like, low-level, like, Division three colleges, Paid the hundred, I think it was 150 bucks at the time. I did a story on him because they did like the G League mini camp at the at this you know the same week as the combine in Chicago when I was living there. I did, I did a did a whole interview with him. This is when I was at the Athletic and did a story on him. He paid the 150 bucks to go do the open public tryout. Made the G League team, and you know I don't think he's on a team now, but he had a few years where he stuck in the NBA. So like he was on the Warriors. Wasn't he, he was. He, yeah, was. he was on the Warriors when I they won was... champion when they won a championship. Yeah, like, he was like he was like on the he, Raptors for a minute. I think and he like played like like he would play yeah. real minutes in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, like, like there like there are so many more ways. So like if you're somebody listening to this and you're like you know you're like a former like D three college player in the Portland area who is thinking about paying the three hundred bucks to you know go try out for the Rip City Remix. Get in touch with me. I might want to do a story on you. I'm, I'm dead serious here. If you're like, if you're like actually serious about it and actually want to try out for the G League team, talk, my email is not hard to find. Like, get get in touch with me. 
you just made me want to like hit up a dude that I went to high school with that's been playing overseas that like I'm like dude get get like come back to Portland come back to up. Portland give it a shot with the <laughs> yeah. G League team dog like give it like let's go like this like, <laughs> like uh yeah no that's like making me like no but I love that but that's like again that's one of the cool things about the G League too it's like yeah the other things about it that like it's not just the the fact that it's minor league basketball there's just like a lot more interesting shit that's there happening. are guys that make it like jonathan simmons who was on the spurs for a minute back in like the mid 2010s like he's another guy that i think he paid the 150 bucks to do the public tryout and made the team and then actually had like a nice like three or four or five year nba career out of it yeah yeah no i yeah that that's that's cool and like i mean the nba has been filled with that and frankly like i mean even the the Blazers history is filled with, with, with kind of random moments like that. Like I'm thinking about when Billy Ray Bates, yeah. you know, all of a sudden just joined the team and just started hooping and like became, he became a legend in Portland. Like, and, and, and so, and you hear about him even today, like, like it's so, uh, I, I think it's really cool. I think the G league is going to be dope. Uh, would love for them to sign another, uh, big man, but, at least they have Baji and they have Moses Brown and and those guys are both seven feet tall. Um, Baji is not ready. He's two no, years away from no. being two years away. He's the he's in the Bruno Caboclo like development curve. He's not like I mean he's a little bit where Moses was. Like I think yeah. he's got a little bit like like uh and, and I think that that's kind of what he was. So you know it's cool that they're bringing him in and yeah we'll we'll see what else they do i mean hopefully they do one more thing but um it, it, in terms of signing another guy but well they, they literally have to right before opening night though you mean but like yeah they also might you know we're talking about guys you know that other teams might be looking at for the g league team i'm sure portland might have their eye on guys that maybe are under contract or something somewhere i guess we didn't talk about this guy i i you know i i kind of wanted them to take a flyer on usman garuba Ah, yeah. Has he? He hasn't signed since since he got waived by the Thunder, right? No, no, he hasn't. I mean, I think he's he's playing right now. He's on the Spanish national team. Uh huh. But I don't think he's playing very much for them. I think he's on the roster, but I don't see him playing much. At least in the game that they played against USA, uh, I didn't. I didn't see him out there that much. But I I really loved it when he was on Real Madrid, uh, as like a real you know defensive stalwart. Uh-huh. He played with Tavares, uh, and so obviously having that rim protection. But he was, like, very versatile defender, um, which, like, you know, they have that, but I think he's got a little bit more size to him. Uh, yeah, I feel like Matisse is kind of like that kind of versatile perimeter defender guy, but I feel like Garuba can do a little bit more uh, down low. But uh, obviously they went with Moses Brown because I think Garuba is a little bit undersized. He's not. Well, who's to say they can't do both? They, again, they have to sign somebody else. I'll have to go back and look and see if Mike Schmitz ever wrote a Usman Garuba scouting report for ESPN because that's been a clue in the past. Like, I remember when they signed Ibu Baji for, uh, to the initial two-way contract. I'd never heard of him before, but then I just, like, Googled. That's one of the helpful things about the team that I cover, having an assistant GM who was a draft analyst for ESPN for 10 years or whatever, is that when they sign a guy that you've never heard of, out of Senegal to a two-way contract, 
you can just go Google Mike Schmitz, ESPN, Ibu Baji, and I was able to pull up a scouting report from one of those, like, NBA Africa camps that he went and covered or something, and he actually had, like, a detailed scouting report, and it's like, oh, this is what the Blazers assistant GM thinks about uh, this player that they just signed that I probably didn't know that much about. I'm going to have to go back now and check and see if Usman Garuba was somebody that was ever on Mike Schmitz's radar. I'll bet that he was, but it has been very funny to me that he uh, got the... Uh, you know, he gets waved by the Thunder, and he is immediately like this summer's, you know, Sekou Demboya or Isaiah Roby or like the right. guy on a bad, like a young guy on a bad team that hasn't really proven very much gets waved, and like fans of every team are on Twitter that I that I see being like, like yeah, like let's you know we, we should sign him, we should take a flyer on him, and you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I definitely see that, um, and obviously you know Oklahoma City waved him for a reason. You know, like they I mean, have but, too many guys, uh, but they do have too many guys. So it's also partially that like mm-hmm. it, 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 they're not, you know, as, as smart as they are, they're not that much smarter than everybody. Right. Um, uh, I mean, so, it's a similar situation to like when the Blazers waved Trendon Watford, everybody, you know, you saw like like a day of Twitter being like, I can't believe they waved him, man. Some team should take a flyer on him. Now, eventually he did days. It was I like know Blazer fans mo- are like, like still mon- talking it was, it was about like, it. They're still talking about it. Well, they're I know like, like, in like in like our little corner of Blazers Twitter, they still are. But like, but like outside of like our little bubble in Portland, like there were like people like who cover or like are fans of all these different teams being like, you know, I like Trent and Watford. I think he has some, like, I think he should catch on. And, you know, he did sign in Brooklyn and, you know, I love Trandon as a guy. I hope he sticks there, but yeah, he, he did, cl- like, he, he did clear waivers. He was not claimed on waivers. So like, you know, yeah. So it's like a lot of times with these young guys, like the fans of the team really like him and people who maybe like saw him play for two minutes really like him. But it's like these guys are not that much of difference makers. But, you know, again, it's late August. This is what we have to talk about right now, Eric. uh, As always, thanks for doing this. At the very minimum, you're going to be back uh, right before the season starts. We're going to do our annual each of us make predictions about the season Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to be very interesting depending on how certain things shake out. Or don't shake out. So, if you will. If you will. So, <laughs> Eric, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. Later.